Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unbox Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Smarrow. Thank you for tuning in today, as always. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Dr. Idea Gooden here with me. So I want to start by telling you all a little bit about her and how I stumbled across her. Um, Dr. Adia is a licensed clinical psychologist. She's a dynamic speaker. I'll tell you more about her TED Talk in a moment. Uh, She's also a coach who is passionate about helping others embrace their unconditional self-worth. And through her clinical work, she spent more than a decade helping people embody wellness and engaging boldly with the world, which sounds exciting to me. Um, she's written numerous academic articles and authored or co-authored a book on Black women's mental health. And the TED Talk I mentioned is called Cultivating Unconditional Self-Worth, which is what we're here to talk about today. Go check out that podcast or um, excuse me, go check out that TED Talk on YouTube. Um, oh, and she's a lover of dancing, which for those of you who've been <laughs> listening to the podcast, you know, that means we're obviously kindred spirits. Um, they hear my wild stories of dancing all the time on here. I love uh, it. <laughs> yes. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Dia. Thanks so much for having me, Jessica. I'm happy to be here. Great. Uh, so I wanted to share with you and the listeners that I came across your work when I was recording an episode on self-worth. And actually the way that these roll out, that will probably be the one right before this. So this will be a little bit of like a part two. Um, and I was Googling definitions of self-worth, like as one does when you're trying to unpack sort of a dense concept. And um what I stumbled across, which was one of my favorite ways of laying out this concept of what is self-worth was one that, um, I read by you and you said, um, isn't it fun when people read your words to you? I'm going <laughs> to read it to you. Uh, you said unconditional, unconditional self-worth is the sense that you deserve to be alive, to be loved and cared for, and to take up space. I feel like I want to pause there. Like, I just love it. You Mm. deserve to be alive, one. You deserve Mm -hmm. to be loved and cared for and to take up space. I feel like those could be three different podcasts all in and of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I guess, actually, I have another question for you. But before I ask that, as I was just reading that again, I'm just curious, like, where did that Mm. conceptualization come from for you? How did you come up with that? Yeah, it's such a good question. I mean, I think you know, my exploration of self-worth came sort of from two angles, one from my own experiences of struggling with self-worth for a long time and trying to prove my worth through academic achievements and professional accomplishments and all of those things and Mm -hmm. figuring out that that wasn't working. And then also spending a lot of time working through therapy with really high achieving people who are also struggling with worthiness. And I think what I concluded was that this whole sort of like achievement oriented sort of worth self-worth thing wasn't working, right? This idea that you were deserved to take up space or to be respected or to be cared for because you're perfect or because you have these accomplishments or you make this much money, like that wasn't working for people. And that's not how we kind of think about it when we think about other people. And so I think the other thing that I thought about was how do we treat babies? You know what I mean? And we think babies are, you know, unconditionally worthy. We believe that they should be loved and cared for. We believe they deserve to be alive. We believe they deserve to take up space, right? They, I have a newborn. She basically runs our life Uh and it's just because she's human, right? It's, she hasn't accomplished anything. 
right? Like she hasn't done anything to like contribute financially or achieved anything, but it's just because she is, that's why we believe these things. And so, you know, my thinking is if that's true of us as babies, what would change that, right? Like, can't that still be true of us as we get older, um, that we are still unconditionally worthy and worthy of all of those things, um, that doesn't end when you're no longer a baby. Yeah, no. Well, and on that note, I think, um, I'll, I'll, I'll walk clients through this sometime when self-worth is up for them asking this line of questioning. And I'm trying to remember, like, I did not make this up. Like I heard, I heard somebody else walk somebody through this, but thinking about that, exactly that, that as a baby, you're like, you're just ador- not even just worthy. You're fantastic. You little ball of poop and pee and snuggles, right? Like you're just fantastic. And so when you think about like walking through, if you think back to little baby Jessica or little baby, Dr. Dia, Mm -hmm. you know, and okay, we're worthy. I didn't have to do anything. I'm worthy and walk yourself chronologically and see at what Mm -hmm. age did it shift? Right? Like mm. at what age was it no longer that just your mere presence and existence was mm. enough to delight the world? Like at mm. what point, right? That you're like, was it mm-hmm. a lot of people? Like it's, it's like you start creeping up around five. It's, it's like suddenly mm-hmm. something changes. And, and another thing that came up for me when I read your, um, your explanation of it, of, or your conceptualization of, of self-worth, I was thinking, <laughs> This is going to get wild. My listeners are used to it, but hold on, Dr. Dia. This is where we're going. Like I found myself thinking about the animal kingdom, like, Mm. like a bear, a jaguar, a lion, my dog, even like they don't seem to question that they deserve to be alive, cared for and take up space, right? Like out in the Mm -hmm. world or like out in the wild, I should say, Mm -hmm. like there seems to be this inherent instinctual drive to stay alive. Right? Like knowing that a creature deserves to be alive and hunt and gather for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's just not even just like an innate quality mm-hmm. animal. Mm-hmm. But like, what what's up with humans? Like what gets in <laughs> the way? <laughs> like what we're supposed to be the evolved species. And sometimes I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure what, yeah. here. like what gets in the way mm. of knowing our inherent worth? Yeah, it's such a good question. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is very uniquely human to sort of think about these things, question these things. And, you know, I think it's, it's probably the fact that in some ways, what makes us human is our ability to have consciousness, our ability to think, ability to think about the past and the future and bring all of this together. Right. And that is the, uh, the gift of being human, but then also this Mm -hmm. challenge Um, especially when we start judging, we start judging ourselves, we start judging other people. You know, I also think that part of what we think of as, you know, important for survival, or maybe even sort of no instinctually, is that we need to be included in the group, Mm -hmm. in the Mm -hmm. community as humans in order to survive, right? Like rarely does a person out on their own in the wilderness survive right? Like you've got to be in the community. You've got to be accepted. You've got to be, you know, included in the community in order to survive. And I think as part of that, the survival mechanism goes like, how can I be included? Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, you have to do these things, or you have to look this way, or you have to, you know, act this way in order to be included, in order to not be rejected in, you know what I mean? And in order to survive. And we now are in 
you know, a society where we get messages all the time that you got to look this way. You got to have this much money. You got to communicate this way, right? You got to live in this type of house, have this type of car to be accepted, to be affirmed. And I think we code that individually as survival, right? Like in order to survive, to be loved and accepted and cared for by society, I've got to do these things. And so if I don't do these things, which you know, it's like commercials tell you to do this, right? It's like, if you look at the truth, it's not true, but it feels true. And so then we put all of these things on ourselves and we start questioning our worthiness without these external things and start thinking, well, I might be excluded from the group and the community and then I might die because my survival is predicated on being part of a community. Mm. Yeah. This is a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> like I'm like, my brain just is like coming up with random things, but I just find this is part of the reason that I find neuroscience so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about here, our brain is like, is it 10,000 BC, right? It still <laughs> is like, we can send people to the moon. Like we have, mm-hmm. we are literally talking to each other from across the country, right? Like this is, we have, we are, we're capable of so many things that our brain just has not caught up with. In mm-hmm. fact, it is not like, it is not a saber tooth tiger. Like it's an email from someone or it's a sideways glance from our mom across the yes. dinner table. Right. It's these things. And this is why, you know, in mindset coaching, which is what I lean heavily on, it's like this is why there's so much value in doing the thought work to catch on to. Like my brain wants to offer me up this story that I am, this is a survival response, right? Like that I think yes. I'm going to die if I'm not part of the the this click or for this, if I if I don't get this approval over here. Right. And there's so much work to say, like, oh, actually, like that's just my right. brain offers me up a lot of interpretations that are not facts. So whole, the whole yes. okay. So this is what's driving any other um, so we know sort of the survival mechanism piece of it, but any other things that you see as kind of common barriers, the things that mm-hmm. get in the way of somebody knowing and feeling their self-worth. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we talk a lot about trauma these days, but trauma is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. Often, especially if trauma is at the hands of someone else, you know, it communicates you're not worthy of love, care and respect, right? Like Mm -hmm. if somebody harms you and unfortunately what happens for a lot of people who are survivors of trauma is that you internalize that, right? You start thinking, Maybe this happened to me because I'm not worthy, right? Or, you know, this damaged me or this broke me, right? And those things can cause people to feel unworthy, right? So all sorts of trauma can certainly lead to challenges with owning your worthiness and also self-criticism, right? Which so many people struggle with, right? But constantly talking to yourself from a space of you're bad, you're wrong, you made a mistake, you're not good enough, right? Like all of that, which so many people sort of live with, mm-hmm. can also inhibit people from feeling like they're worthy or good enough. Mm. Mm. This is the work. So tell me that I think you talk about this in your podcast a little bit. Um, the true self source of self-worth, like right, you we're leaning into this idea that you know, you talked about sort of that the treadmill we get on, like the conveyor belt that we get on this path. And if we just achieve enough, we perform enough, if we get enough accolades and likes and we please enough people, then we'll get we'll get the declaration of we are now worthy. What's the true source of self-worth? Mm. I think the true source of our self-worth is 
you know, it's something that comes from within us. Mm -hmm. And I think the foundation of it is our relationship with ourselves, right? It's how we see ourselves, how we treat ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, right? When you're not, when you've had a mistake or a failure, how do you show up for and with yourself? Do you beat yourself when you're down? Do you criticize yourself? Do you judge yourself? Do you neglect yourself? Or do you say that was really rough? That's tough. We're going to have to clean it up and I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going to offer myself comfort and right. Like how do you respond to yourself day in and day out, right? Is it an unconditional supportive relationship? Is it a critical and harsh relationship, right? Like, are you acknowledging that again, you're worthy of love, care, and taking up space regardless of what's going on in your life? And we want that from the external world. And it's wonderful if we can get it. And I think the most important person who can give that to us is ourselves. Mm, Yeah. Because ultimately, this is the thing that I think trips us up, especially in you talked about sort of those of us, I like to call myself a recovering perfectionist, right? Like I was on that, like if I just get enough A's and the promotions mm-hmm. and the enough degrees and all the things, right? Then, then, then the thing will happen. And then it doesn't. And you're like, oh yeah. Right. And so, oh, I like lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I got all caught up in that um, critical self-talk, right? Or no, what was I, where was I going with that? Perfectionism. Perfectionism. So perfectionism, we think that it's gotta be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we, oh no, I know where I was going with it. I knew it was come back to me. So not just perfection, but getting all of those things. So we get the people to say the right things to us. Mm. And then the thing you're sort of leaning into is also ultimately we have to do something or believe something to let that in, right? Like when you talk Mm -hmm. about like, how do we talk to ourselves? How do we show up for ourselves in the quote unquote good or bad, right? Because even when people, because for those of us who were on that path of just like self-criticism, for sure, there were people and circumstances and events along the way that were sending us messages of, of like love and worth and like telling us Mm -hmm. how great we are, but we were just batting it away, right? Like we couldn't Mm -hmm. take that in because of the schema or the lens that we were seeing the world through. So it's like, there's so much that like, it comes back to that. Like, so that's sort of what you're speaking of, that this really is about your relationship with yourself and how you talk to yourself, because ultimately, regardless of what's coming to you from the outside, it all gets filtered through us. Yes. Yes. I agree. In psychology, we talk about cognitive dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the idea that if something is not basically aligned, if you don't think something is true, you're not going to take it in. So if you don't think you're beautiful and Mm -hmm. someone tells you that they think you're beautiful, you're going to respond in your head and say, well, they're just being nice. That's not true. How could they find me beautiful? Right. Because it's not, it's dissonant. It doesn't align with what you believe about yourself. But if you do think you're beautiful and someone says, Oh, you're beautiful, you say, Thank you. Uh Right. Because (laughs) you're like, Yeah, that's true. Thank you. And so very often we sort of bat away compliments, we bat away affirmations because they do not feel true to us. And we've got to get in the mode of believing these things are true, these positive things are true to even let them sink in as you're talking about. It's one of the things. I work on with people in my group coaching program is learning to receive love because when you struggle with self-worth, you often desperately long for love, right? I was certainly in that place for years, desperately want someone to love you, right? Like, and that also feels like the thing that's going to fill the hole, the thing that's going to do it. 
But then any love that's offered to you, you don't fully let it in. You question it, you pick at it, you, you don't trust it because you can't imagine why someone would love you in your imperfect state because none of us are perfect. Mm. Oh, I'm like, I felt like I was like, we're going to go into another TED talk. I was about to take notes. Like how to, because learning to receive love, I'm like, that is a whole skill set. And I'm wondering, it might be related to my next question. So I'm going to ask you this because one of the questions I have is how does one cultivate a knowing or like a felt sense of self-worth? And, mm-hmm. and I have to say, part of the reason I recorded the last session that I did on self-worth was because I was, I was in a coaching session with another, the client was another life coach. And she, what was up for her was all this self-concept, you know, she was tying her self-concept to performance stuff and outcome measures in her business. Um, and so we were doing some work on separating that out. And she, in all sincerity, she's like, my clients come to me and ask me the same thing. She was like, how do I actually cultivate a feeling mm-hmm. of self-worth? Like, how do I actually mm-hmm. feel more self-worthy? And I imagine maybe you speak to this in your group coaching or people come to you. So tell me what's your response to that? Yeah, I think it's such a good question because it takes more than just like looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm worthy 50 times, right? Like affirmations can be really helpful, but you have to do more than that. And I think that's often where people struggle. It's like, how do I get myself to believe something different about myself? And the way that I think about it is that you really need to start to treat yourself differently in order to start feeling differently about yourself. And so my sort of framework for it, I have sort of three core pieces. So I can sort of outline them and dig deeper if you're interested. But one is sort of like freeing yourself. So one piece is like, can you free yourself from the traumas from the past, the mistakes and the failures from the past, from the conditions that you put on your worthiness in the past, right? So there's a piece of like, how do we heal what got you to this place where you don't feel that you're worthy, whether that's Mm -hmm. messages you receive, traumas you experience, right? All of those things, things that you did that you're holding against yourself. Like, how do you get free from that? And that's a big piece, right? Because it's really hard to believe you're worthy if you're holding on to, yeah, but I did that awful thing that I can't tell anyone about 10 years ago. And if anybody found out, they'd know I'm not worthy for sure, right? Like, how do you heal that? How do you forgive yourself from that so you can move forward? The next piece is loving yourself, right? Like, how do you start to really accept yourself? right? And offer yourself love, take good care of yourself, be kind and compassionate to yourself, right? Like really be good to yourself, be a good friend to yourself, right? Like pour into yourself. And then the last component is um, sort of like this, be yourself, like living your truth. How do you connect to your internal wisdom and to your values and learn to receive love so that you can show up in the world authentically and, you know, move and share your gifts and shine, which then sort of just reinforces the sense that you're worthy, that you have something to contribute, not from an achievement place, but from a deep sense of like, when I show up and I share myself with the world in an authentic way, I have a positive impact, I, you know, connect with people in a way that feels you know, aligned and positive and, you know, regenerative and all of those things. So I sort of like break it into those three components, freeing yourself, loving yourself and being yourself. 
And all of it is founded on like, how is your relationship with yourself? How are you showing up for yourself? And then how are you showing up in the world in a way that feels really aligned and authentic? Oh, so much in that. The, um, (laughs) yeah, like, can we talk about all of those forever? Yeah. Free yourself from the past, the story. Like, I love that you, you said something about, that thing, like, oh, this thing that I did and I could never tell anyone because then you're going to know for sure. You're going to know that now I'm not worthy. The, the cat's out of the bag. And it like, when you were saying that, I was thinking about like how we hold space for the other people in our life, like whether it's our clients mm-hmm. or just our people. And you think you're like, bring me all the gnarly rowdiness. Like you're like, there's nothing you could tell me that I am not going to rally around and then it's our mm-hmm. own stuff. And it is like, woo, shame spiral. Yes. I was, this came up with just a group of um, like other coaches in my mastermind. And it's so funny. Cause we were talking about like, when we start talking and we start talking smack about ourselves and like all of our funk that's coming up, the other people we're like, earrings are coming off. Mm-hmm. Like we are like in full defense, right? Like we are going to like, t- we're those limiting beliefs coming up for you. Like we are on full battle mode to protect you against those. And then yes. we're like, then it's the next person's turn. And then we're full on in our stuff. And it's so interesting how we are ride or die for the people mm-hmm. we love, right? And the mm-hmm. people we care about and we see it in others. And then when it comes to ourselves, it's like, well, there's a block there, right? So I love that that's the starting point. You're like, no, you like the work is about freeing yourself, like showing up for yourself in a way that you would for your people. For the yeah. Like, yeah. 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 I mean, it's huge. Yeah. I was going to just add, and you, if you have more to say, please, please jump in. But I was going to say, when you were talking about the second one too, the love yourself piece, like when you started talking, I was like, Ooh, she is talking about love as an action. Like she's like, mm-hmm. love, said love on yourself, like love as a, yes. you know, love yourself. People can get jammed up. Like, well, I don't even like myself. So how are we going to go to love? Yeah. Like we need to date <laughs> first, right? Like we're not there, but where you, you were talking about like, nurturing, like love on yourself as a verb, which to me yes. feel a little bit more tangible. Like, Oh, okay. Like what are the actions? If I'm loving on myself, what does that look like? Exactly. And it's funny. You mentioned date your date yourself, take your own self on a date. Cause I actually have a course called date yourself, which is okay. about creating a healthy relationship, right? Because it is so much like yeah. What are the behaviors, right? I don't like the term fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what actions can you start to take that are caring for yourself? Right. Like, and we don't have to, the feelings will follow. I'm also like, have did years of couples therapy. So it's like, you know, when people are like, I need the feeling first, it's like, no, sometimes you got to just do the thing, right? Like bring home the flowers and then see how feelings emerge and are cultivated. And I think if we're too focused on like, I've got to feel good about myself before I treat myself well, we'll get stuck. But if it's like, okay, you know, my body needs some rest. So I'm going to let myself rest. And yeah, I'm going to maybe feel a little guilt and yeah, I'm going to like, you know, but I'm going to let myself rest. And then let's see how you feel after that rest. Oh, I feel so much lighter and I feel more at peace and I feel more clear headed after getting eight hours of sleep. Wow. Okay. Like I feel less frazzled. So then maybe that builds on itself. Right. And then you feel better because you're resting, because you're nourishing yourself, because you're taking care of yourself and it all sort of grows to ultimately feeling much more worthy. Oh, so fun. We're all for sure. We're all like making lists. Yep. Now what am I going to do to love on myself? People are like, we're taking a nap today. Uh-huh. <laughs> Something's happening. 
Yes. And the other thing I just wanted, the third one you were talking about, the be yourself. Um, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it made me think of, you were talking about like showing up in the world when you're just really letting your resonant self be. I think mm-hmm. like when we know our worth, like we're able to show up like exactly what you were, you were kind of leaning into, or at least what came up for me when you said it was just like our isness. Like mm-hmm. you said, oh, it's not about, you know, it's not about the performance and the productivity, the things you do, but it's about just letting your being be yes. experienced by the world. And I love to think about that with, even for myself, like when I get kind of jammed up, like, oh, I have this thing coming, or I'm doing a, a, a speaking gig or something. And I have to remind myself, like my, the essence of me is what it's about, right? Like my words, yes. what I say, what I do, my power, like those are just the containers. It's like the vehicle that will allow the other people to kind of get some of me out there, but really it's just carrying the essence of me. Right. Which is when you talk about that, like be yourself, you're like, yeah, that's what you're really like. I'm going to, if I, when I know my worth, I can really allow the world to just experience the magic that is me that has nothing to do with performance and all of that jazz. Yes. I, I totally agree. Right. It's like, I like to say, it's like how you be is more important than what you do. And if your doing comes from the being, it's so much more powerful. Right. And I know, you know, this in your coaching, I know this in my coaching, it's like, you could sort of do the same thing. Right. Or like, you know, people have gone to coaches or therapists who are like going through the motions, but they didn't feel comfortable. They didn't feel it was helpful, but you're with somebody else and how they are with you, right. Their energy, their presence, their wisdom that sort of pours through, that's what's transformational. Um, You know, and so it's like, how do you think about your being even more than what you do, right? I think when we're proving our worth, we're focused on doing, 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 doing. And it's like, we'll just do more and just do more and more and more and more and more. And when we're grounded in the truth of who we are and being ourselves, we sort of do what is aligned, but it comes from this deep sense of, I have something to contribute. I have gifts to share that will positively impact the world versus I better do this right because if I don't, then people are not going to, re- are going to reject me. And I don't know what's going to happen. Right. That energy is very different. Mm. I'm like feeling those words when you said it like stopped me when you said, I have something to contribute. I have gifts to share. I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. like that's it. Like I- I'm always telling people like, stop what you're doing and just pause for a second and think that thought and feel it in your body. Like I felt that when you said mm. I have something to contribute. Right. And thinking yes. about how, because uh, I'll just, I mean, even in my own coaching today, I was in some stories about like, mm. oh my God, I don't know. I don't know all the things. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And like thinking about showing up to something from a place of, I don't know what I'm doing, which really, you know, you know this, you know, it means, right. I don't know that I'm going to get the outcome that I think I'm supposed to get. And I don't know mm. if it's going to work and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But like thinking, oh, I'm actually, I have something to contribute. And that in and of itself is the whole reason I'm doing it. Like whether we're showing up one-on-one with a client, right? For those of us who coaches and therapists and such, or like whether we're sharing a product with the world, just like what, like coming from that place of rather than again, tethering it to the outcome or tethering it Mm -hmm. to what I think it's going to get, just knowing that I have something to contribute, like full stop. Right. Yeah. Right. Invite everyone to marinate that. Yeah. Right. And I think with people, I often try to encourage people to think about this through 
usually grandmas, people have positive, you know, relationship with their grandmother. If you don't have one positive relationship with your grandmother, think about someone in your life Mm -hmm. who just like being with them just makes you feel loved, makes you feel cared for, right? Like if I think about my grandmother, she has passed away now, but yes, she cooked for me. Yes, we did things together, but it was her being. It was how I felt with her. The the other things were like add-ons that were great. It's like, you know, if, if somebody cooked you a delicious meal, right? Your grandmother cooks you a delicious meal. What if the same thing was ordered from takeout? Right. Like the meal. Yes. It's, it's partly the meal, but it's really the cooking with love, the presence, the conversation, the checking in the, like, make sure you eat because you need to be nourished. Right. Like it's those things that sort of the intangible that really impact us. And I think we often forget that, right. Like we don't totally appreciate that. That's really when we think about our friends or our loved ones and why we love them, it's not because they're really impressive and accomplish all these things. It's how we feel when we're with them. Uh It's the laughter, it's the connection, it's the, you know, the support, the encouragement, those are the things that we really appreciated about other people. And we forget that when it comes to ourselves. Mm. Yes. Okay. Well, so speaking of being and ourselves, you talk some about like connecting to the truth of who we are. And I mean, one of you, even, I don't know, like share something about even the truth of who we are, but what, where my question goes with that is like, what does that practice look like? Or what do you work mm. with your clients on? To I remember when I was first leaving like the therapist world to be, to go full-time into life coaching, um, one of my therapist friends said, it's like, well, but if you come up with a program to like, teach me to connect to my capital T truth or like the divinity in me, she's like, I'm signing up today. Mm. Like that had nothing to do with like what the need are like, no direct, but it was like, I'll sign up for this. But I think so many of us, right. We're like, tell it, how do we connect to our truth? Like, what is that? What does that work look like? So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's a really, it's a good question. I mean, I think, I think of this work as, I think it's a Buddhist saying that something like every, everything that's not the moon is something pointing to the moon. It's this idea that like, Mm. we can point to the moon, we can describe the moon, but anything that we do, it's not the moon. Right. So it's like, don't confuse the practice and the path with the actual, like what you're getting at, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there are practices, there are things, and they're all sort of like an attempt to get at it. And it's, it's somewhat imperfect. Right. And Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, one of the things that I have in my group coaching program is sort of this guided meditation that helps people to imagine connecting to a light that was, you know, sort of conceived along with them Mm -hmm. and that has always been with them, right? There's sort of light within us that gets covered over by traumatic events, by criticism, by losses, by failures, right? And that it never goes out right? But it gets covered over. And so our work is to uncover it, right? Our work is to sort of reconnect to this light. So that's sort of one way with a sort of a visualization that I think can help people. You know, that doesn't, some people are not into visualization. So, you know, it doesn't always get at it. Um, I think, you know, for some people, it's the sort of going back to think about the little one within them and the light that that 
person that, you know, 10 year old, five-year-old had and caring for them, sort of imagining themselves offering comfort and compassion to the little one within them as a way to reconnect to like, there was nothing wrong with me at five, even though this teacher told me I was stupid and like, how awful is that? And like, no, like I'm going to protect her and I'm going to care for her and I'm going to nurture her. And it's like, by doing that, we're sort of reconnecting to this truth that there's nothing wrong with us now either. Um, So I think these sort of practices of self-compassion, of reconnecting, I think trusting our intuition, like getting connected to that and moving from the being more than doing space. So like things like meditation, I think all of those things help us to tap into that being aspect of us, of ourselves, that's worthy, that truth of who we are, that's worthy. And I think that uh, for, for different people, it's going to look a little different, right? Like for some people, one thing may resonate and get them there for other people. It's going to be something else, but those are some of the practices that I encourage people to try out. Mm, Yeah. And you said, um, you mentioned like your intuition and that made me, I was thinking about that, like, um, kind of the relationship between self-worth and trusting our intuition and having access to our own wisdom. Like so many people and myself included, like the grapple with, um, things like knowing what we want, making confident decisions, Mm -hmm. trusting our instincts and trusting our intuition and like knowing, being able to tap into that wisdom within. And I'm curious, like how you think about the relationship between that unconditional self-worth and access to that inner knowing, that inner in wisdom and intuition. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big connection, right? Because often when we don't feel worthy, we struggle to trust ourselves. Right. And that can show up in a lot of ways. Like your body says, I'm tired. And you say, no, I got to push myself harder. I just got to do more. I just got to do more. I just got to do more. Your body says I'm hungry. And you say, nope, I got to lose weight. So I'm not going to eat. Right. Like there's a lot of ways in which trying to prove our worth disconnects us from what our body is saying that we need. And to me, for me, internal wisdom and intuition are body centered, right? Like they're body grounded. And often the distinction I make for clients is, you know, are you making the, are you worried about something in your head, like anxiety, like what's going to happen? What if I do this? Right. Like, is that the energy or is it a deeper, like, this brings me, I'm concerned about this or right. Like the gut place, right. Like of wisdom. And we know that there are no more neurons in your gut than in your brain. So there really is intelligence there, but it's about slowing down to listen, right. That's often the practice I guide people in when I'm helping them connect, reconnect to their intuition is slowing down to listen to even things like hunger, like fatigue, like, you know, like what is your body telling you that you need? And then what if you trusted it? Right. So your body says, you know, like sometimes my body says, I need a hamburger. I need a, you know, like a hamburger, a lot of calories. And so then what if I trust that and I eat that? And then how do I feel afterward? Well, I feel full, feel satiated. I feel nourished. Right. Which is different than like, I'm having an awful day. Like I just need a, I'm going to eat a hamburger, right? Like I'm going to, you know, like, and then I might feel, you know, gross and heavy and like weighed down because that wasn't really what my body needed. I was coming from a place of anxiety and stress. So if you can slow down and start to listen and tune in, 
you are reconnecting to and then trusting the messages of your body and trusting that you know what's best for you. You know what's good for you better than what the world says you should or shouldn't do or you do or don't need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that's another whole talk, right? That's a whole <laughs> nother TED talk, right? And that's that that's a thing, like, especially for those of us who've been sort of that doer achievement perfectionist route, I often will say, like, I was just looking for, there was for sure a rule book. Like it was out there somewhere, like the big book of rules. Mm -hmm. And there's like an answer key in the back. That's like every situation. This is the one right answer. And somebody else, an external authority held the knowing of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what you're talking about, that's a whole like thing, right? Like trying to come down, come home to our bodies and trust. And I love that you gave like a really tangible way of, of leaning into that and exploring that with something like a physical sensation of hunger and noticing what that looks like when your body is communicating something, what is the result? How do you feel versus when your mind is telling you what you need? And then what's the result of that? right? Very different um, approaches. And it kind of hurts our feeling. Like those of us like achieve do kind of like, mm. ooh, it's slow, right? Like we have to, <laughs> it's kind of nebulous, right? Mm -hmm. not, There's not a right answer. Doesn't have that black and white kick in there. I can't just be like, oh yeah, figured it out onto the next thing. You're like, oh, hold on. I have to actually like feel into this. And so mm -hmm. that's a whole skill set there too. This is some, right. Some meaty There's stuff not somebody here. who's going to give you an A at the end of it, right? Like, see, I did the right thing. I did the right thing right? Right. Right. Yes. Except for, right. It's like, yeah, like my brain's like, yeah, it's so rude. I just want the A and let's fight about this. But the, but the, the real like satisfaction, right. Cause then A, it's just like the media. It's just like the in-between. It's just this thing that we think we need to get to this other thing, which is really, I get the A and then I get to think something about myself right? I get to have a nice thought about myself. I get to feel a certain way. So what you're talking about here, it's like, it seems like the longer it gets slows down, but it's really also the fast track to just access mm -hmm. the thing that you really want to access that you were trying yes. to get to through the A's and the promotions and the relationship and the things. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But yeah, that'll, that, that one might go above heads, blows knees on that one. Cause that's a, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. Um, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and you maybe talked, you talked about the three things you walked us through with the free yourself, love yourself, be yourself. I know you have an ebook out there that I read at some point in this yes. of knowing you. Yes. Um, and it was that the four practices of embracing your unconditional self-worth, are those different than, do they add on to so, these things? So they, they are sort of like, they are, it's like the framework I shared are, is like an umbrella for those four practices. So the four practices I share are, um, I'm like, what order do I share? Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. That goes into free yourself. So uh -huh. forgiving yourself from past things. So that's a specific yeah. practice that helps you to free yourself. Then there's the be there for yourself that's a practice that goes into the loving yourself. Like if you're there for yourself, if you're kind for yourself and caring, supportive, compassionate, that goes into the love yourself. And then um, there's the connect to supportive people. I'm like, I'm forgetting one. Accept Forgive yourself. Your, accept yourself. Uh -huh. Accept yourself goes into love yourself too. Uh -huh. And then there's the um, connect to supportive people, which goes into the be yourself, receiving love, 
kind of piece. So these are all sort of specific practices. So if people are interested, they, you can sign up for my free ebook. Um, you can get it at dradiagoodencom forward slash free dash ebook. I'll put yeah. it in the show notes for those trying to put keep it up. Show notes. I'm like, I may not be saying your link right, but uh-huh. yeah. So those, those are practices, right. And I sort of walk through like, what does it look like to forgive yourself? Right. Like, what does it look like? Because I think people think, oh, if I'm forgiving myself, I'm just letting myself off the hook. And that's really not it. It's about reflecting. What did you learn? How did it hurt? What wisdom you want to take from it? Um, and then talk about sort of like, what does it look like to be there for yourself and accept yourself and then connect to supportive people? Mm. I love all. Yeah. And I highly recommend going there because it does go into some things. And I, again, as much as I encourage people to sort of like also lean into like the isness and the being of it, sometimes it's nice to have something that gives us a little bit of an action step. Right. And I think, especially with things like forgive yourself, love yourself, these seem like small words, but they can be really um, confusing to our heads about like, what does it actually mean to forgive myself? And to your point, like a lot of people struggle. If I forgive myself, it's like condoning. We're like letting ourselves off the hook instead of saying like, no, that's not what this is all about. Right. There's a learning opportunity. I often will talk about forgiveness, like, because the story gets created, right? Like when there is Mm -hmm. the traumas or the past mistakes or whatever, we create a story. So part of the work is forgiving ourselves for that story that we created, right? We're forgiving ourselves for making it mean something. We forget, Mm. we're forgiving ourselves for forgetting like the truth of who we are and we're forgiving ourselves for making it mean this other thing. And like, that's so anyway, so get that. I'll put it in the show notes. Y'all can get um, that those four practices through the, the ebook that she offers. Um, so before I ask you my final, final question, tell the listeners, you already shared a little bit, but tell the listeners where they can find you and how they connect to your work or follow. Yeah. So I have a website, drdiagooden.com. Um, that sort of goes over kind of all that I do. I'm very active on Instagram at drdiagooden. Also on LinkedIn, those are my two sort of primary uh, social platforms. I'm just Dr. Adia Gooden at LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I also have a podcast called Unconditionally Worthy, which people can check out. And so I'd love to hear from you. Welcome to send me a DM or something like that and, and ask any follow-up questions or share your thoughts. Yes, love it. Okay, and then a the final question. Tell me, what does it mean to you to live an unblocked life? I love that question. You know, I think it really does mean fully embracing your unconditional self-worth and the truth of who you are so you can show up and shine, right? Like removing all of those blocks of feeling unworthy of self-criticism, all of those things that get in the way of us truly being ourselves in the world. And I believe that there's space for everyone to be their full selves and that the world is going to be as good as it can be if everyone is showing up and sharing their authentic gifts. And so I think that's when we, when that's what it looks like to be unblocked is to show up, to shine, to share your gifts, to move from a being space and to be grounded in your worthiness. Mm, I love the alliteration show up, shine and share. Like I feel like, Oh, okay. Yeah, you should like write that down. That's your post. Yeah. That's going to be a post somewhere. There we go. <laughs> thank you. That was beautiful. I'm going to go back and re-listen to that. That's lovely. So, and thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. And of course your time, this was lovely. And Thank you listeners for tuning in. And as always, if you think that there was something in today's episode that might be useful for somebody that you know, 
please feel free to share widely and be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And also, if you have something nice to say about the podcast, take a moment and write a review if you'd like. Uh, Until next time, my friends, stay open, stay free.